0: the seven rock life show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire those that choose to live a life that is victorious contributing to society and having fun along the journey learning to develop new chapters in life learning from the past but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories that you create i'm your host steven mazurko Thanks for tuning in and being a part of the 7 Rock Life journey of changing lives. Enjoy the show! Hey guys, welcome to 7 Rock Life Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko, along with Dana cavalia said it right this time, right? Got it. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have him here, and I'm so excited. A little background on on Dana. He actually uh, was the, um, the fitness coach for New York Yankees and head trainer there, and uh, 2009 World Championship. Uh, I see his ring right now in front of me. It's bling bling, and uh, it's just great to have him here. So thanks for coming, Dana.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, it's great, and uh, you know, it's funny. The first time we uh, we met was was in Selden, uh, New York, and I was—it was your dad. I was in uh, a gym at Fitness Plus, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, my son, you know, is uh, training for the Yankees." And I said, "Oh really? I'm looking to go to college and play." And I go outside and I, I get to you know meet you, and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then uh, we we're talking for a couple minutes, and I had to remind you when you came here, and I said, uh, "I was like, yeah." I, When I was talking to you, you picked up a phone call because you said, you know, DJ's calling you. I was like, who's DJ? He's like, yeah, Derek Jeter. I was like, oh, I was like, you don't want to talk to Steve Mazurko? Come on, man. (laughs) But it's great to have you here. And uh, yeah, so the audience, you know, get a little background yourself and uh, just, you know, the past few years and how everything's been, man.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, listen, I spent my whole career in Major League Baseball, working for the Yankees, dream job, New York kid. And I started there at 19 years old, minimal to no experience. Wow. And I always say uh, I got into coaching because I was an underperforming player. And as an underperforming player, you rely quite a bit on coaches, you know, to help kind of wring out that sponge and get every ounce of your talent. And, um, you know, I decided to leave the cold weather of New York and move down to Tampa, Florida, going to University of South Florida. And uh, I knew the Yankees were, you know, having spring training there, part of my decision. And I said, well, you know what, if I can't, play for the Yankees I should probably find another way to maybe get to the major leagues Mm. and uh, literally I started interning with the football team at the University of South Florida and here it is February I hear the Yankees are in town go up to the Steinbrenner field spring training and I'm literally taking pictures through a chain link fence of all these guys Roger Clemens Derek Jeter Mariano Rivera Andy Pettit and that afternoon I end up heading back to my internship over at the University of South Florida with the football team and uh, the head strength coach there calls me in his office and says, hey, um, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And he said, um, I just got a call from the head strength coach with the Yankees. He's interested in uh, potentially having somebody help out over there. Would you have any interest in that? Yeah, it's going to be basically handing out towels, you know, cleaning the place and uh, giving the players water as needed. And he said, would you have any interest? I said, as a matter of fact, I just got back from there, and I'm very interested. Wow. So. The next day, I end up going back up, got my own parking spot, walk in. They say, hey, are you Dana Cavalier? I said, yeah. Um, Threw a credential around my neck. It said clubhouse and field access. And I grew up as a kid sitting in the nosebleed section with my parents. So this was now incredible. They throw the Yankee gear on me. Next thing you know, I'm in the middle of that same field. Uh, I was taking pictures of a day earlier. So I always say your life can change in a very short period of time.
0: How, so that not that amazing how like you can be on that other side of the fence just by a snap of the finger? And what was the feeling, you know, to be able to to start that journey? Because, you know, it's, it's just that little door that opens. What was that feeling at that time?
1: Well, the feeling was, you know, um, it was kind of the intersection of excited and scared to death. You know, I was 19. I was just trying to figure out who I was. I was just a, a kid at that point. Trying to acclimate to Florida culture and and being out of New York for the first time, so it was a big deal for me, because I I didn't know who I was yet, and to be now in this big arena where there's big expectations, you know, for you from others, but also for yourself and family and everybody else. Yep. You know that was the opportunity that you didn't want to blow. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotional um, conflict but also a lot of excitement.
0: Yeah. And so you grew up in uh, Long Island, right? You were saying Mount Sinai. Yeah,
1: Mount Sinai, yep.
0: And played sports, you know, your whole life.
1: Played sports. I actually went to Queens College for a year to play baseball. I totally botched the college recruiting process. Mm. And, um, you know, I could have played in college, but at this point I played a year at Queens and I'm glad that I decided to leave Queens and, and actually pivot from my baseball career to my professional career when I did and how I did.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of times with, you know, people listening to this, it's like, what made you kind of say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is my gift. This is what I enjoy. Yeah. Because um, we go through different gifts in life of like, All right, this is my identity. This is who I am. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Um, but what, you know, between that 18, 17 to like 25 mark. Yeah. Well,
1: I couldn't, I couldn't make it as a player. That was obviously my first, what I felt was my gift. And I realized very quickly in traveling around this country and world to play that my skill set and ability level was not that of a professional player. Um, but through my life, I've always enjoyed coaching people. I've always been able to see things in blind spots that they can't sometimes see for themselves yep. and helped to align people and realign them emotionally when they're, um, down or beat up. It's something that just comes natural for me. Um, So as much as I'm a strength coach, I'm a performance coach, but I spend a lot of time healing people um, physically from injury, both physical and mental.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there was a book, my sophomore to junior year, there was a book, Mental Toughness, Hmm. um, and it was about baseball and about, you know, meditation and different, you know, a lot of the guys, I don't know if you ever read that book or no. No. And when I read that book, it was my sophomore to junior year the mentality and the mental toughness is such a big thing in sports in life. You know, in today's world we were just talking about it before how, you know, mental awareness and and mental, you know, uh, sickness is is a huge thing, you know, because we live in such a comparison world with social media and um, you know, a lot of times we take care of our bodies but we don't take care of our mind. Right? You know? At that age, did you even know about that stuff or was it more later when you got around higher level? No, you,
1: you know what? Sports? I I actually was one of the people that did know quite a bit about that. And I've always enjoyed the journey of figuring out my own thoughts and who I was as a person. So I was very aware of that before it became mainstream.
0: Was that from your parents, you think? Like, you know, your your upbringing and just people? Yeah,
1: I think it was just constantly, you know, as I was growing up, I tried to understand people. My big question is, hey, why are they doing that? Why are they acting like that? Why are they being like that? Mm. And I think when you start asking questions like that, you start to seek answers. So when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers.
0: Isn't it funny how questions can open up the door to so many things that you just didn't know by asking a couple of words?
1: That's that's how it all starts, but you got to get out of your own way Yeah. in order to be available to, number one, ask the question, but most importantly to receive some of the answers, both spoken and unspoken. Yep. You get a lot of answers also, not just by listening, but by watching. Yep. Because sometimes people talk but oftentimes people act. Yeah. So,
0: you know, if, if you could give advice from people, you know, at, at any age, whether you're, you know, younger in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, you know, self doubt, right? Did you, at that age, because when did you start working with the Yankees?
1: I started at 19, at 19. and I became the head strength coach at 23.
0: At, so you were the head, wow.
1: I oversaw all the strength and performance for the whole organization at 23 years old. At 23 years old, right? right?
0: So you had to have a great confidence. A great identity of who you are to be able to be around some of those I had
1: it of- I had an evolving confidence involved I still haven't so an, an evolving yeah my confidence today is not where it will be in 5 10 20 30 years Yep. my confidence evolves with every experience that I have my confidence evolves each day each moment every time i i choose to put myself into an environment or an arena that i'm not quite familiar with yeah i become more comfortable each and every day so the confidence that i don't have today i will have tomorrow possibly
0: yeah how do you think being around some of the top athletes because you know as you signed you know or started you know working with the yankees at 19 then 23 you know head trainer what did you see them do to be able to get themselves into such a great state of mind before games, off the field, on the field? Because like you may not be a top you know, pro athlete, right? right. And you, but you, maybe you're going to be pro in your career, pro in your industry, right? pro as a mom, pro as a dad. Um, what did you see yourself do to kind of get that into that mental awareness and just that, that good identity and a good yeah. feeling? The,
1: the biggest thing is, um, for me personally, as well as all those that I work with at the highest level, is that they don't try to be anything but themselves. Mm. And when you try to do too much of uh, something that's good for somebody else, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna be good for you. So true. So you gotta figure out what your it factor is, what makes you go, what makes you tick. And when you can do that and you get to that point, uh, again, conviction and personal security come with that.
0: And it's interesting what you just said. I just heard it the other day. The workout that's good for you may not be good for them.
1: Well, we, and to that point, every player that, that comes into our organization, you know, we do a full diagnostic. We pop the hood. We see what's going on individually with each player. And then we prescribe and create an exercise prescription for that particular player based on their particular needs, based on their pain patterns, injuries, um, and also based on their psychology. Some guys are not into training so they don't want to be in there working with you for an hour they may be just need 10 minutes so you set up a lot of tune-up sessions for them as opposed to putting together a a big workout but as long as you can create programming that's specific to an individual as opposed to just putting something on a whiteboard um, the buy-in factor is a lot higher because the guy knows hey if i do this it's going to benefit me directly
0: it kind of reminds me, you know, when you go into somebody's car and they they move your seat or something. And yeah. It's like, dude, why'd you move my seat? Or they used your car because we're we're comfortable with how the steering wheel is, how yes. the chair is. And would you say that's kind of how it is with
1: very very similar? People? It's 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 uh, everybody has their their preferences and their likes and dislikes. Yeah. So if you don't honor those things and you force a routine or a habit of yours on somebody else, your chances for failure go way up. Yeah. And that's just bad coaching.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of coaching, I know, uh, you know, you have your book that's out, Habits uh, of a Champion, and uh, Nobody Becomes a Champion by Accident. And I, I noticed, you know, I started reading it, and great book. We're going to talk a little bit about this and excited for all, all the launching that you're doing and all the speaking engagements and just really written phenomenally. Uh, but the forward is by uh, Joe Girardi. Yeah. You know, and you're saying you're great friends with him and a lot of the guys. You know, as a coach, what did you see with that, you know, 2009 team? and having you know Joe Girardi at the helm and and being part of that
1: well you know it it was a group of guys that that cared about one another and everybody was unified and and focused on a common mission vision and goal and when you have a common mission vision and goal and you have the actions that align to that and with that you have your greatest chance for success and I think what Joe did a really good job of was keeping that goal and that vision um, right in front of us at all times Mm. keeping it very clear
0: that's it's so interesting because you know vision right i think <laughs> buy in factor is such a big thing i know when i was playing baseball at Brook, with coach sank it's the beginning of the season it starts with you know with spring training right. and it's like if you go into the season not knowing that hey we're going to win you know, i mean obviously some teams have great talent some don't before the season starts right and some of them have that in their mind but it's that coach has got to be buying did you see kind of certainty in Joe Girardi?
1: Um, You know, yes and and no, because I say no only because the certainty came from um, the uniform that we put on. The expectation in the Bronx is um, win the World Series or you've lost. So, it was again, Joe's uh, job to really just um, keep everybody corralled Mm -hmm. and, and focused on that. But the the destination and the goal was determined, much like it is every year, um, that nothing is acceptable outside of winning the World Series. Yeah, and Derek Jeter used to say that you either win or you lose. Yes. It's that's it's that simple. It's in the book, yeah. Yeah, and and too many people are like, well, I I did kind of well. And I mean, listen, if you're coaching somebody, yeah, you you need some of that positive encouragement and, and you need to to celebrate those wins and many victories. But ultimately when you play a sport and you've determined this is what winning is and it's very clear it's very defined if you don't achieve that if you don't win you lose so you're not a winner but you've become a loser for that particular season
0: yep and it's funny i heard that i don't know where it might have been mental toughness Derek jeter like playing ping pong he wants to beat you he just likes he hates losing
1: yeah he he, he'll bet you on anything yeah i mean you'll literally a, a game would be on in the clubhouse and he'd say hey i'll um, that's, good. you know, I'll give you five points, but so-and-so is going to lose and we'll put 20 on that. Yeah.
0: How was, is, how is the culture? Like, you know, with, with the vision, right? You have the vision, you have, uh, you know, that kind of like, this is our goal, but then it's, you know, and we talk about in the seven rock life, you know, fun along the journey, you know, yeah. cause it's, yeah, you want to be victorious. You want to have a great season, but you have to have fun, right? Uh, yeah. Along the journey. So how was the culture of the organization? Because Every season, I know for me, every season was a different culture or a different type of uh, kind of environment to an extent.
1: Yeah, the, that that was true here. Um, but I always say fun is the byproduct of the success we were having. It wasn't. We, say it say again. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Fun was the byproduct of the success that we were having. Mm. It wasn't the intent of saying, "Hey, let's have fun," and then maybe we'll win. It was, "Hey, let's win." And because we win, so we have fun. fun. Exactly. Um, I think certain people today, and I even think certain companies have it backwards, you know, where it's about fun and they recruit based on fun. But I would rather have not that much fun and be with a bunch of winners than have a lot of fun and lose.
0: That's a, that's a phenomenal point. It's like Fridays and Saturdays that when people when, growing up, even now, I'm like, what are you partying about? What do you celebrate? You haven't accomplished anything yet. Yeah. You know, and it's like we we prematurely sometimes celebrate and and that's such a interesting point did they did you always have that mentality
1: for me um you know we were talking earlier and you said hey who are some influences in your life and you know i always say my parents and my father was really big on um see i wanted a lot of shiny things and i wanted those things and things and this and that but i was constantly reminded that you need to achieve before you can have those things and i was also reminded that delayed gratification is the greatest thing that you could um, really be aware of in your life because you get the things based on the work and the work and the process and the grind and the focus is what will get you everything that you want so too many people are spending too much time dreaming and doing vision boards and nowhere in that process are they thinking about the actual process and the hard work that's painful and and is not fun and is monotonous and is the 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 hell if you will that yep. that that many people um you know they don't want that they want the results they don't want to do the work
0: yeah. they want that million dollar lifestyle but with a fifty thousand dollar you know work ethic right exactly you know, and, and mentality
1: yeah and, and and I think it's it's a lot of that is is your mentality I think your mentality will drive your work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know so so it's it's kind of helping people to understand that.
0: And it's and it's funny because when you build it properly, you know, and you build that foundation, it's kind of like people who win the lotto that never were millionaires before they lose it. But if somebody who was a millionaire lost, they'll get it back. It's like a six-pack. Yeah. You know we all know how to get a six-pack. Yeah. The challenge is I'm Italian. We can't
1: stay away from the bread and the pasta and oh, all the things that taste bottom. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you know? so so snowy season coming up soon with Easter yeah. and everything.
0: Oh and yeah. My mom sent me the recipe. I said, Oh boy.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So can you please train me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? We train you to
1: put some handcuffs on at the table. That's yeah, the only yeah, way and, uh, we can stop that. They're so good. <laughs> disrespect the family. Exactly. Grandma, you you know? gotta peace have it.
0: Peace. So so talking about culture, right? You know, people in life you know, whether you're in sports, whether you're in life, you want to create a, a legacy. You want to create, you know, uh, it's not what you leave for people. It's what you leave in people, right? Mm-hmm. And what has with the Yankee culture in which George Steinbrenner kind of embedded because uh, was, he was around when you yeah. were there and then he, when did he pass? 2009. Was? 2009 is when he passed.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, 2010.
0: ten. Ten. So after World Series. Right. That's really awesome. I never realized that. Yeah, pretty interesting, World right? and the boss. Uh, Departed. That's really cool. Um, I just got chills from yeah. that. Wow. So, what did he leave because I know his 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 mentality, his his work ethic. I mean, what did you see with the boss?
1: I think ultimately, um, you know, he had a mixed reputation, honestly. I mean, there's people that respected him. I think everybody respected him for what he did. I'm not sure that everybody fully respected him for who he was. Um, I think that was a lot of people that were victims of his wrath in that he had very high standards. And he had an expectation of of doing the right thing, which was doing things his way, each and every day. You couldn't do it Monday and not do it Tuesday. You had to do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And if, and if he caught you, you know, he would somewhat hum- humiliate you publicly. Mm. Um, so... I think he kept everybody really focused on the day-to-day fundamentals of what their job entailed.
0: Meaning like on like on the field and off the field? I know with like Derek one time, but, this was early on.
1: Yeah, I, you know, on and off. But also, I mean, I've seen him air out a parking attendant that let somebody pull the car in and park that didn't have their parking sticker visible. wasn't that the car wasn't supposed to be there. The parking sticker was not visible. So
0: he's very structured, very like...
1: Yeah, like the little things were the big things.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. Your book, I was just talking about that. It's perfect timing. um, uh, It talks about your good friend Barry, right? Yeah. And how singles every day lead to runs on the board. Singles are a symbol of consistency. Singles are the foundation building blocks of long-term growth and winning. Consistency, never forget that word. Right. And that kind of goes... You know, to what yeah, it, the boss talked about. It's
1: it's the boss. It's it, it's Derek Jeter. It's the successful guys that I'm fortunate enough to to coach and work with in in business. That you know, the cardinal uh, sign of somebody that is uh, an amateur is somebody that's trying to hit home runs, and they're they're just they're not even swinging until that perfect pitch comes in. Whereas the winners, they're they're out there farming every day they Mm. farm they farm they farm they farm and then they have that harvest or they hit single single singles and then run score yep and you know the the single doesn't always get on espn the home run does but when the single eventually drives in a run and it's a key run then it's on the highlight reel so you got to be very aware of uh all of these things but ultimately your singles will lead to runs it's the little things and being yeah. consistent in the little things that aren't very glamorous
0: and it's like even when you're dieting right uh like when you're trying to get into that fitness or shred mode it's those little things that you eat like this morning i got bagels for some people but then i took the bread out of the middle of it because it, it adds up it's like that little thing yeah
1: so it's not saying hey i, I, I can have a bagel yeah. Today, but but I'm gonna take the calorie count down by about thirty, forty percent. Yeah. So so it's making a conscious effort, you know. In in
0: how does that relate to you? So that's that's a great point because I want to touch on that. That single mentality, right? Of of yes, we want to hit the home runs in life. But I think a lot of people in today's world, especially social media, I'm sure you would agree with this, is like they see this world, they see what A Rod's doing, they see what all these people or Emile or whoever, right? And they're yeah. like, oh man, you know. I want to get there, but they don't realize that they hit a bunch of singles to get to that home run life.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's actually one of my biggest issues with social media, and, and why I feel at the end of the day, I mean, I don't think any American ever had a real problem dreaming. And I, 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 when I look at social media, and I, I see people showing their highlight reels. I, I can't understand really the the fascination or obsession with staring at other people presenting themselves. And I get it. I do get it. But ultimately, that's that person. It's not you, and you got to find out. You know how we talked about this earlier. How, how do you define success? You yeah. know, if you hate, um, you know, uh, Miami Beach, then then you don't want to live the life of a Rod. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, I like it, it down there. It's yeah, nice. me, yeah, me too. It's nice and warm. But uh, yeah. you know, you got to figure out what what it is that that winning. How do you define winning? You know, whenever I coach somebody, that's how we start. How do you define winning and what does winning mean to you? Very important.
0: So you said earlier, and touching on that, stay in your lane, right? And that is such a big thing because I know that when I was playing sports, just in life or in business, we sometimes do not stay in our lane. Um, what do you think, you know, what does that mean to you, staying in your lane? Well,
1: I saw it in baseball, obviously. That's that's kind of my background. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when singles and doubles hitters try to hit home runs, they get in trouble. Yep. And when home run hitters try to hit singles and doubles they get in trouble during contract time so you are rewarded when you stay in your lane and you do what you do very well so if you're a singles guy hit singles if you're a doubles guy and hit doubles and if you're a guy that moves runners gets gets runs in through home runs and you know rbis do that you got to figure out what your your thing is there's in business you have guys that are visionaries and you have guys that are operators. When an operator acts like a visionary, there's a lot of trouble. And when an op- when a visionary tries to be an operator, um, you know I'd short that stock.
0: Mm. That's so touch on that a little bit. That's a really good great point. And I don't know if I, I've never heard it that way. And that's really good. Visionary operator. Explain a little so,
1: bit. So so typically you don't come across visionary people that are great operators with every single detail it's typically you have you're either a visionary hey here's what we're going to do here's what it looks like here's what i want you could explain it what you want Yep. but for you to actually sit down and do it is a very different mentality and skill set now there's somebody over here that is in love with putting the process together and the building blocks and and i think a lot of people well i don't think i know a lot of people struggle in business when they're visionaries and they try to be operators, and when they're operators trying to be visionaries.
0: We talked about outsourcing. You know, I talk about that in a book. You know, in my organization, you have to learn how to outsource. And that's
1: a gift of a vis- of a visionary. Yep. A visionary says, "Here's what I want. Here's what it looks like. I just can't do it. Yeah, and it's it, not my thing.
0: Yeah, and, a, and a, your dream should be big enough that other people can be included in it.
1: Your any dream you have should include other people. Yep. It's just, it's just, it's just the way it is because, or else you're the guy with the vision, but you're also the bookkeeper. You're also, yeah. you know, trying to do your own taxes And he, you know, or, you know, it's just kind of, you can't do everything. And if you think you can, you've already failed. Yep. So the greatest, uh, line that I've heard, it was, um, it was in the movie, Steve Jobs and, um, Wozniak says to him, Steve, what do you even do? And he looks at him and he says, I'm the conductor of the orchestra. Wow. So Steve Jobs says, um, I wanna create this company called Apple. Here's the products that I want. Now you go create them the way that I want. And then you go do the marketing. Here's how I want it to be. And I'm gonna be the sales guy. Wow. So it's, it, it's ultimately, you have to realize, are you the conductor of the orchestra or are you playing the violin?
0: Yep. And I love the Steve, I always talk about it. In today's world, to, to create wealth, you have to have value and answers. If you have value and answers, you'll solve people's problems, right? right? As a trainer, you're given them, solving a problem for them or whatever it is, right? Right. You know, psychiatrist, teacher. And what's amazing is Nokia and BlackBerry were crushing it, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And Steve Jobs says, I'm going to provide, people don't know what they want that they know what they can have. And he said, I'm going to basically have, not make more money, but have money flow to me to what? Apple because I had something that was better and he didn't make money. He had money flow to him. Right. And, and it's so interesting that he, he was that visionary. He, he said, because people would say, well, did you do any market research? He's like, how are people going to know what they want? He's like, I'm going to tell them what they want. And I mean, what he did is amazing. And think about how we're, how we communicate now, how we we didn't have this device before. He, He
1: created magnetism. Yep. You know, he became the magnet and was pulling everything to him based on what he was able to create. it was It's, it's an amazing right. story. Um, but but ultimately, it all goes back to, you know, you have to know what you are. I mean, listen, there's people that just aren't good salespeople. Find someone that is to be your partner or somebody that you could, you know, incentivize for your organization. But you got to you got to know what you're not good at, in order to become really good at something.
0: Yeah, you know, could you touch a little bit, we talk, spoke about this before, is, you know, I think in today's culture, sometimes we have an identity crisis, you know, people, we let culture choose our identity in, instead of us, you know, in our higher power, God, whatever you believe in. And, you know, when you find your true gift and you, and you tr- find your identity, like, I know you're going on a, a new journey now and you're so excited and, and but maybe talk about how do you, how do you find your identity? How do you find your gifts um, that maybe are planted in you.
1: Yeah, I, I think it starts with what comes easy and natural to you. Yep. Um, you know, I've done things in my life that were a lot of, I, I kept having a lot of issues. I kept tripping over and tripping and tripping and tripping. And I realized that there were other things in my life where it was kind of a clean lane. You know, there were no, you know, five car pileups. It was organic. I, yeah, it was organic. Yep. And usually when something's organic and when you find that organic nature of something, that's probably more where you should be as opposed to, you know, trying to to do too many different things and, uh, you know, doing something because somebody else says, oh, you should try this. Oh, you should invest in real estate. Yeah. But what if you hate real estate? What if you, you have no interest in it? Why would you do it? That's not where you're going to make your fortune. And if you look at, you know, just people that have had success, I mean, there's people that have had success in, you know, cr- garbage the garbage business there's people that have had success making toilets there's people that have had success making computers there's people that have had success making music you can be successful in any category yep. you just have to have love for the category that you're in yeah and then you start to figure out within that category what am i really good at
0: yeah and, and sometimes we need to change the narrative of of, of the character because it, they're not playing the right role
1: I, I, exactly you got to get in the right seat yeah you know um, and
0: you were talking about like knowing your swing because when I played baseball when you tried to be that guy and we were just speaking about this right and not stay in your lane you have to do what your swing is because and if you don't you're going to kind of be on that bench yeah right? and I think in in life I mean I know for me hit, sitting on a bench was I hated it you know so like what has motivated you To to be in the lineup in life because you have your your bench and you have your starting lineup and I think a lot of people maybe listening to this podcast they listen to you know different you know audios in life and they're just like man I need to get off the bench Has there been any points in your life where you felt like you were on the bench and what did you do to get off the bench into that starting lineup?
1: Well, I think oftentimes we put ourselves on the bench. I've put myself on the bench. I've tried to say, "Hey, it was this person or that person or this or that circumstance. You took ownership. but yeah, but it was ultimately me that put myself on the bench, and you know then you go through these phases where, again, you're looking outward and you're saying, "Okay, what book can help me? Okay, what uh, podcast can help me?" or what you know seminar can help me?" But all of that, again, um, has you looking externally. And I always say wow. you have to help yourself through conversation, through belief, and through trial and error, and most importantly, action. Yep. That's how you. That's the only way to get yourself off the bench. You can't hire a shrink to get you off the bench. You can't hire someone to get you off the bench.
0: Yeah, and self audits are so important. You know, we audit our. You know, our. We don't know. We never audit our lives.
1: I think people are better CEOs of their businesses than they are themselves wow yep. and I I ultimately say so many people are running profitable companies but they're running around personally bankrupt mm. so so you got to know that 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 by not auditing yourself and not uh, spending enough time on company X which is you uh, the chances for failure go way up
0: how have you audited yourself in life? Were there certain people, certain kind of um, you know signs that helped you out or covering your blind spots? So how, if your people listen to this, how do you audit yourself? How do you cover your blind spots?
1: Well, I think that for me, it's it's uh, you know little things that I do. You know, taking social media off my phone was a big thing. I, I always say to myself, hey, what's distracting you right now? What are your biggest distractions? And when you find distractions, those are typically your blind spots or they're covering up something else so when you find yourself gravitating towards something that that something is either going to have a positive result or a negative result so anything that that's negative you got to work to eliminate people and things
0: and those are i call them fillers in life it's these fillers that that distract us because we have a lot of time the challenge is we have all these fillers like because when you're playing in a high level, especially I'm sure you see that 2009 championship team, in mm-hmm. any year, there's a focus. You know, you wanna be focused in sport. I remember when we won our championship and we went to the regionals, it was like, that year was a focus. And I remember my coach talking about this rope. Right. And we all had to hold on to that rope. Because if anybody left, you know, did not touch that rope or hold on to it, it's like, well, then the rest of the team's gone. We all had to be, buy-in is huge, right? right. You know, we're buying in, we're, we're going in, and it's not about one person, it's about the team, right? right? So um you know what what has kind of uh, kept you there and 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 not distracted by the fillers of life.
1: Yeah, well the fillers of life, I mean at times they grab everybody, right? It's uh, they fillers, they call it shiny objects syndrome, but it's always going back to uh for me it's always saying, "Hey, what is your message?" You know, again, I, we said this earlier. I'm not trying to live your life. You may have some things that I like, yep. but that doesn't mean I I want to live your life. Um, and and the more I I reassure myself on my own journey and my own path, the more I win.
0: And that goes back to what we spoke before: is no, you know, no, know, know your swing.
1: No, know, know your swing. And and it's amazing how many people are just they don't trust themselves. Yeah. And 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 I didn't either at times. But the only way that I got to trust myself is like how I started off earlier is um, I took actions and I jumped into the deep end of the pool even when I couldn't totally swim.
0: Yeah, no floaty.
1: No floaty. And <laughs> and, and ultimately, that's the only way that, that you grow. Yep. I tell people, listen, I go through every day of my life scared to death. And that's crazy to say, right? I'm a coach. I help people become less scared, but I help them become less scared in, moment, in, in, in moments and help them grow each and every day.
0: So in chapter 11, I was skimming through this before, and it says you got to have uh, moxie.
1: Yeah, so I got that from my mother. My mother's from ex- Queens, New York. Can and- you explain that? Yeah. Because you, you talk
0: got- about fear at the end of it with your coaching tip. Yeah. So explain.
1: Yeah, so, so I mean moxie, in life you're always going to be faced with adversity in all different categories of life. Like I said earlier we were talking, you know, people are going to come in your life and people are going to go. Whether it's, you know, voluntary or, you know, an act of God, they're going to be taken from your life. We don't know um, when that's going to happen, but we'll always be faced with adversity. That's, that's guaranteed, no matter who you are. Whoop. No matter who you are, you're going to be facing some levels of adversity. So my mother always used to say, listen, in life, she still says it to me, you got to have moxie, you got to have guts. That's what it takes. So don't feel bad for yourself you just gotta keep moving forward. Mm. And- Our mom's amazing. Yeah, they are. And and in life, listen, people are gonna tell you no. People are gonna do their best to um, make you feel insignificant about yourself. Yeah. And it's important that in those moments that you do self-assess, and maybe they're telling you something that's beneficial to you, that you need to hear that you're not auditing properly. But ultimately, you got to get back on the horse and go, 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 go.
0: And I think in today's world, we sometimes seek approval from everything and everyone instead of you know us and our source, right? And sometimes, if you give the right idea to the wrong person, that idea, we're, and I know I say idea wrong, Podcast Nation, but I'm from New York, Long Island, so don't judge me. Um, but the thing is that then that idea will start will expire before it ever goes out into the world. Yeah. Right. And you think about Steve Jobs, you think about anybody. Look at Elon Musk. I mean, he, he learned rocket science, you know, because he just studied it. But people are like, you're crazy. What are you what are you doing? I,
1: I wrote about those guys in the book, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. If, if, if guys like that listened to the um, feedback of others, we wouldn't have Tesla. We wouldn't have Apple. So I always encourage people, listen, there, there's no crazy idea. Yep. But you got to be willing to take the action. Yep. And you got to be able to withstand the headwinds that are going to be presented to you. And if you're open for that journey and that battle and you're willing to fight for what it is that you want, ultimately your idea may not work. But if you're willing to go down the field and and work hard with it and work through it, you will get an answer either way.
0: Have you had any times in your life where you like, you know, you... Question yourself at times, or like people that you're like, man, like, you know, is this true? Or, because you know, I'm sure people play mind games with themselves, with their family. You know, like I talk about this in the book is that sometimes the advice that our family or friends give us, it's expired advice. And if we drink it, we're going to get sick or we're not going to have results in life.
1: Well, it's oftentimes too advice that they were given by somebody else that killed their mojo. Yeah, yeah. So has
0: that ever, I mean, being the head guy, you know, training for 23 years old, I mean, I'm sure you're like, what are you, crazy?
1: You know what? I gotta say man my my parents were were really great um you know it's it was just do whatever you have to do to make it work whatever you want to do again they were teachers too so they were helping other kids kind of achieve their goals and dreams and and for me i i didn't grow up in a household where my dreams and my goals and ever you know questioned or held back so um you know it was always hey whatever you want you can have you know as kids you know, my father used to drive us, uh, me and my brother, along with my mother, we used to drive uh, through the Hamptons and we would look at all these beautiful homes and 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 my dad would literally say, hey, guys, you know, if you're willing to work, you can have this, too. See, That's great. But you got to have the you got to put the work in. Yeah. You know, um, like we talked about earlier, my parents were both teachers and and they loved teaching. They loved inspiring and motivating. They didn't have the goal or vision of of living in one of those homes. Would it have been nice? Probably, but ultimately, they were really satisfied with the career that they made and the impact that they made on the kids. And so we,
0: we spoke how it's that surviving mentality versus that thriving, you know. And you're at a point, you know, you just recently got married as well. Yeah, so congratulations. Thank you. Um, and, I'm uh, surviving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, but you know, you're you're at that next. Kind of chapter in life we're like all right this is and i know danny you're gonna do amazing things i mean just getting around you and getting to know you more you have an amazing spirit and you're gonna do you're gonna change a lot of lives with your story i love the way the book's written and just you know all the things you've been doing um and cont- you're gonna be a huge contributor to society without a doubt and i
1: think um see you know when you say that i tell myself i already have mm. so so you know what i'm saying i'm really big on language and interpreting what people say yep and and I I hear it and I I tip my cap and I, I appreciate it. Self talk is huge. But but that's a really big thing for me. Is like I I see myself as already achieve that, and now there's more. Yep. So we got to go for for greatness. And that now. goes for that thriver right. mentality, right? You
0: know, and it's like because a lot of people say, "What well, keeps you going?" I, the other day I was um I was with somebody and they were you know tired and I'm like I'm like, well, you know why you're always tired? Because you lack, you don't have a dream yet. You don't have that vision. When you have a dream, when you have a vision, you're like you are awake. You know, you're up at six thirty. You're out there grinding, doing what you got to do, but living that balanced life, right? So let me ask you a question. With some of the guys, with A Rod, uh, you had Bernie Williams at the time. You had Mariano Rivera. You had Derek Jeter. Some of the top performers. What are some things that? They taught you, or you taught them, or you learned from each other that you saw that maybe people didn't see behind scenes.
1: Yeah, a couple of things, you know. Never get too high, never get too low. You want to talk about managing your energy, and and that happens through managing your emotion. So if you're getting really excited about things and then you're getting really down in the dumps, you're you're losing and wasting a lot of energy. So the best players in the world, they just stay really even they emotional st- consistency, emotional consistency. Yeah, they stay. Um, listen, they. They celebrate the wins, but it's not something that, you know, goes on forever. And it's, ah, you know, it's expected, it's expected, but it's also, it is a moment, a moment that's cherished. But when you fail, that's also a moment that is a reflective point, but it shouldn't be the moment that ends you.
0: Have you heard what failure is? I heard this. I don't know where failure is, is successfully discovering what didn't work.
1: Right. I like that.
0: And so failing's fine, but our school system doesn't teach us
1: Yeah, that. so Mariano Rivera was at his house last week, and, and he said, listen, I want you to do something for me. Um, every time you speak or any time you go out in the public, I want you to let people know that it's very important that they fail. He says, please tell them that failure is a part of success. But ultimately, when you fail, the difference between those that use failure for success and those who chronic, live, live in a state of chronic failure um, the ones that fail and get back out there are the ones that are the real winners, yeah you know and 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 we were talking about a game that he blew in Arizona, which was the World Series, and he said, you know the only thing that that upset me about that was um, that I had to wait till next season to get back out on the mound. Wow, he says I wanted to get back out the next day he didn 't want to hide in the clubhouse or bury himself under the carpet so
0: who like when you look at Mariano and Jeter, right? You know, two guys that I'm sure the the, the team, you know, the, the teammates love them. What did you see with them cuz I I was, I think I was uh in 1996 and 2000 I was uh um I remember just them winning a lot and crushing it. But yeah. Like, what did you see with them through that your time that you were there specifically those two people?
1: That they were very simple people. I mean, they weren't they weren't trying to do anything more than they could do. Yeah. Um they weren't I mean, they cert they didn't You know, it's ironic saying this, but like podcasts weren't out then, but they weren't listening to tapes. They weren't listening. They kept the noise very, very low, probably off. And um, they just had full trust in themselves. If it was meant to be, it would be. And they knew that that the way they approach things would determine um, their success or failure.
0: And, you know, we just spoke about emotional consistency, right? I think, you know, I know I talk about in a book is that a lot of times in life we react, we don't respond you know, to things. Yeah. And my dad always, when I was playing, he always would have the mentality where he's like, you're going to put your best foot forward. And he's if like, you you fail. He's like, you're you're going to have another bat, but he's like, make every bat count because he's like, if you go one for one, it's the first at bat of the game. You still got three more at bats, but go into a new at bat, you know, a new day, a new life, you know, and it's just,
1: yeah. And it, there's a lot of truth to that. We tell guys, win the pitch, mm. you know, every pitch matters. And that determines the at bat, but to your point, you know, a guy like Derek Jeter, you know, if you looked in the dugout, he'd always, after, after he got out, he'd put a towel to his face. He'd made it look like he was wiping his face, but he was really screaming into that towel. And that, that moment was where he ended the previous and started the new. Wow. So it was a transition point.
0: And in the introduction that I do here is, is, is stop living as an expired story and start creating a new story. Cause there's only two stories in life. You have your expired story you learn from, but you can't live in, and then you have to create this new story.
1: That's, that's all we can do every, every day. You know, um, my mother said this and I, I, I kind of, um, tipped my cap to her at the end of the book. And she said, you know, I can't understand why people, um, you know, do crazy things to harm themselves. And I said, um. What do you mean? She says, well, you know, what I tell people is just go to sleep and tomorrow's a new day. Wow. She says you yeah, have a chance to kind of restore yourself and, and, and start over again tomorrow. So if you look at your life and say, wow, um, you know, I could have a bad day, but that bad day can only last 24 hours. And then I sleep and I start over. Wow. Not that it should last 24 hours, but listen, there's days that suck, you know, and and, and there's there's times that we have to accept that you know some people say well you could just change the moment and and you can make a decision to change the moment but there's just some days where the body doesn't want to go and and training high performers and guys that get paid for their performance i've seen it they couldn't get out of their own way that day but the next day they come out and they're unbelievable so we got to be a little bit lighter on ourselves and a little more understanding that we got Good days, we have bad days, but don't judge yourself on your bad days. Spend more time judging yourself on your good days.
0: Yeah, that's your, that advice in your mom's, that's so, I got tears. because I was just like, that's so true. Mm. And, you know, I think, I know I've been at points in my life where it's just like, I don't make it one bad day, I make it five bad days. And it's like, no, why? You know, and, and you, you got to train that mind. Then you go into this slump. Then you question yourself, right? Yeah. And it's a pattern. You know? We
1: we put you know, um, so much pressure on ourselves and in every category of our of our life and i feel like now with all the personal growth and personal development stuff out there it's actually as much as we say we're not trying to be perfect i i feel like today a lot of people that i coach and young people i talk to are still trying to be perfect and they feel like now they should be even more perfect because they have all the tools i have my morning routine i have my evening routine i have this routine i have that routine And I said, well, let me ask you this. In the course of your day, what time do you have to just be a human and just be and just, you know, do whatever, you know, like it doesn't have to be that structured all the time. You got to give yourself some freedom to be a person. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a high performer. I need to be always performing. I need to be 1% better. I need to be this. I need to be that.
0: It's like, why don't you just be you? It's so interesting. I, I just was thinking what you just said is so true is that sometimes we need to be present. We're not present you know, in the moment. We're not present with our relationships. We're not present with our mom or dad. And yeah. I, I call, I talk about it is it's intentional time. 'Cause I'd rather give you an hour of my intentional time focus, nothing else, than give you just six hours of like unintentional time. Right. That makes sense. And how
1: many people today are are living in unintentional time? Yes. You know, it's like, hey, I'm with you, but I'm scrolling, or I'm with you, but I'm selfieing. I'm <laughs> with you, but I'm also nine other places. But we have a good relationship, right? I mean we still you know, it's it's just uh doesn't work that way. So too many people are trying to do too much and be too much. And I'm I'm always like, listen, slow down and be less. Yep. But be more.
0: Yeah, and I heard this, I gotta share this because that's such a that's such a good point. Um, is the enlightened person travels without moving because the earth moves around them. Hmm. And when I heard that, you know, I was like, wow, that's so true. Is that sometimes we are the ones that moving around the earth. But we can eventually have the Earth move around us, right? And I was like, "That's like deep thought, you know." And and it's uh it's in a book called Awareness, and I forgot the author, but I was like, "That's that's so true." Like, how how have you been present in your life, you know, with maybe relationships or just different things? What have you done?
1: Well, I, I I've spent most of my early life, like I said, going a hundred miles an hour and and being, um, you know, everything. And I've spent the last probably. Eight plus years slowing down and being less and doing less, but achieving a lot more. So it's, it's, um, for so many of us, we think that we have to do so much more to get the result. But I, I often show people that you could do less, but do the right stuff and you get a lot more. So it's it gives you more time to quality be quality and quantity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I and mean, I used to do that. When, it's funny. I used to do that when I was playing, um, uh, playing baseball. I would want to take fifty great swings than than a hundred okay swings.
1: Yeah, see, I was the opposite. I'd rather take a hundred swings, good or bad. I didn't care as long as I. I used to think if I took a hundred, that's good. If I took two hundred, that's even better. And it's a bad, bad, bad mentality to have. And um, you know, I had to learn that the hard way, driving myself into levels of fatigue and 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 not being able to overcome. And I I always say, um those mistakes will come back and get you later. Yep. So, you know, these these negatives and negative habits, negative thoughts, negative routines, negative attributes, they will creep into all parts of your life.
0: And it's funny because your habits of a champion. And, you know, Napoleon Hill, I'm sure you know Napoleon Hill, mm. he studied millionaires and their mentality and their mindset. And in today's world, you know, uh, great thinkers triumph people that just are hard laborers. Right. Especially now in today's technology where you can do things and outsource things and, and create so much things from your phone and device, right? Right. And, and, and habits is huge. And you're talking about these things. I mean, this is a really good, you know, this is a really good talk of what we're talking about. Because when you figure these things out, because you can apply this to anywhere in life. Success is translated to anything.
1: Yeah, you just have to pick your target.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you look at a lot of guys after sports. They just take their success principles and apply it in a new vehicle, you know a new environment right and, and that's what you know you're doing and, and all that you know going back to Derek Jeter right he was the captain of the New York Yankees for how many years was it now
1: well he, he started in 1996 that was his first season and yeah. he uh, retired in uh, 17
0: 17 so um, you can do the math I don't yeah. have a calculator.
1: Now. <laughs> he had a long career <laughs> yeah so
0: some people listen to this right now they want to be the captain of their life right what do you think it takes to be the, the, the captain of your life, the architect of your life, you know, and, and maybe library, What does that mean to you?
1: I think it, it takes a decision. And, and when you make that decision, that you're not going to be influenced by what other people think you should do or say you should do or who you should be or who you should be like. Mm, yep. um, you've already become the captain of your life. You know, it's just your job to understand... Uh, you know what direction you want to take that ship. Yeah,
0: and who um, who has inspired you think in your life? Who are some? I know your parents are huge inspirations. Yeah.
1: Um, well, you know, my wife is somebody that's that's helpful, and that you know she's somebody that doesn't stress over things, and and just goes about her day, and things happen. So that that's been good for me to see. Um, but but ultimately, you know, I've had some really great um, mentors in business that I, I train them and I coach them. But I, I give them what I give them and they give me a lot back too. Um, and, and again, the common theme is I, I spent a lot of my early life trying to be um, and tr- basically just trying too hard as, as a business person as a person in general. And um, in watching these guys that have created such great things. Uh, I realized that that they kept it very simple. So they weren't, you know, trying to absorb as much information as they can. Yep. They were very gut oriented, instinctual, and they trusted their own gut and their own instincts, as opposed to saying, "Well, so and so said," or yep. "The research the says," premium, yep. yeah, or "The data says." Yep. and that's really, you know, all, all uh, not yeah, for and me. And
0: being around those people, right? Because we talked about minor, minor league mentality versus major league mentality. Has right. that correlate to life? Because you know your circle of friends, your sphere of influence is
1: huge
0: in sports and society and life. And you love some of your friends, you appreciate them, but sometimes there's some pruning that we need to do at certain times of life.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's the same thing that I've seen, you know, with the with the minor leaguers that I've had a chance to work with compared to the major leaguers. When a minor leaguer comes up to the big leagues. The ones that get sent back down the fastest they're the ones that are there early they're taking extra swings they're they're doing things that that are out of character for even themselves wow they're like oh i'm in the big leagues now so i need to start doing this instead of like hey dummy you're in the big leagues because of what you were doing wow you don't have to do something different now because the the well, stage is different so you know that's what i've seen where, where big leaguers they know what they have to do and they do it they don't need you to tell them they know what they need in terms of sleep, fueling, routines, habits, rehab therapy, you name it. They know what they need, but they've spent a lifetime figuring out what they need as individuals yeah.
0: so you know and, and a couple more questions we'll be wrapping up is uh three things that people can do to make life shifts in their life you know to start to create those habits of a, of a champion I yeah. know you know and you guys' got to get this book it's it's awesome we'll get his information out um you know before we're done with the show but um what are three habits that you've kind of seen that people can do to to make that life shift to become that champion in their life
1: yeah well you know habit number 1 is always you know you use the word audit i always do you know say you know you can do an assessment of hey what what's going on in my life that's working and what am i doing that's not working that's always for me always step 1 and 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 really, you can have a step point five, which is you know really asking yourself, what do I want? You know, so I, I said too, defining what winning is. Yep. You know, so that's ultimately your first step. What is winning to me? Yeah. And then, what are the things that I'm doing in life that are helping me get towards that? And what are the things that I'm I'm doing that are taking me further away? And learning how to cut those things out. Right. And then and then step three uh, uh is is really too just. Being okay and and uh, ultimately I find people don't celebrate their wins. Yep. You know, we talked about that earlier too. So it's like identify what it is that you want, find what's working, what's not working, and when you win, be proud of yourself for that win and then get back in the process. Yeah. So it's kind of like... It's this, okay to pat yourself on the back,
0: you know, for something yeah, that you've
1: Yeah, and, and again, I, I've coached so many high performers and, and they don't do that because a lot of times too high performance and type a personalities are driven by fear that they don't that they call success yep it's really they're running from you know what i call their their own demons and they've channeled it and that's been the acceleration that's allowed them to achieve success in a short period of time but it's also going to be the same thing that takes them down yeah. if they don't address it
0: that's that's awesome that's really good stuff so um, any any funny stories that we don't know about? I know we asked before. About None that any? I could tell you Come here. On. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like two or three funny stories. Yeah, like, you know, I, I like always tell pranks, this. Because I know Prank Wars was a huge thing. Yeah,
1: I, I, I always tell this one. It's, uh, you know, I always laugh now when I fly because they always say, hey, keep your technology off and all these rules. But our, our plane was more like Soul Plane when we would fly. It was, a, you know, our team charter. And a guy like Nick Swisher each flight. He's, would, I love him. Yeah, he's, he's, great. he's a wild man. But he'd, he'd walk up to the front of the plane in his suit. He'd take his dress shoes off and he'd walk up to the front of the plane with two magazines just outside of where the captains sit. And um, he'd basically put the two magazines on the floor. He'd put one foot on each magazine. And um, as the plane started to take off... And the front of the plane would go up and the nose of the plane would go up, he would actually surf the entire aisle. No way. From the front of the plane all the way to the back.
0: That's great. So
1: it's, you know, it's. A, I laugh now when they say, hey, you know, fasten your seatbelts, turn off all your technology. And, so
0: that really works?
1: Oh, yeah. It's a, it, was, it was amazing. And, and the speed that he would pick up was pretty incredible.
0: Did you ever see him fall?
1: Uh, no. I mean, cause he would use the the seats to kind of yeah, keep yeah. his balance. So that, that was pretty funny, but, That's great. but that was, that was one of my, one of my better stories. Um, you know, one of my top stories was, you know, being on stage at Madison Square Garden with, uh, in the middle of a Kenny Chesney concert with Roger Clemens and, and Johnny Damon. And, uh, you know, Kenny was, was always around our team and spending a lot of time with us and we were hanging out in his tour bus before and and he said hey let's get these guys on stage and you know in the oh, middle of his show to look out and see twenty thousand people was was pretty amazing so yeah. those were some of the cool things but uh the, the swisher any, stories any
0: pranks it. that you remember like one prank that was like who was prank well you star? know what
1: I, I i got caught up in one of the pranks there was this uh i forgot the movie but it was called the three-man lift um basically um latroy hawkins was a relief pitcher and You know, he said, Dana, hey, listen, we need you to be involved with this event. It's called a three-man lift. He said, basically, I'm going to get the three heaviest players um, and I'm going to have you, you're going to join them and you're going to lay on the floor. So it was myself, it was a guy named Andrew Brackman and Jabba Chamberlain. And what he did was he took a belt and he said, okay, you guys lay down and I'm going to wrap the belt around you. And he basically straddled the three of us. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, I'm going to lift the three of you up off the floor. So you just keep your face down. I want you to interlock your arms. And on the count of three, I'm going to lift you up. And the whole team was there. We were in the team, basically in the team shower where this was going on. That's where it all happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the three of us are laying on the floor, interlocked arms. Latroy squares up on top of us. And we hear one, two three and on three he didn't pull so the three of us looked up and a whole david sunflower seed um container was oh filled way. with mustard uh mayonnaise uh water soda oh shaving cream God. uh turkey gravy soup it was poured all over us that's amazing. And, and that was the story of the three-man lift so How'd that taste yeah it was disgusting uh, i mean i remember the three of us being in the shower trying to get this this off of us and the maple stirrup that stayed all day.
0: What is that called again?
1: It's called the three man lift.
0: So hashtag three man lift and we should see that through social media over the next uh, couple months. Yes. <laughs>
1: go uh, viral.
0: Go viral. All the baseball guys out there. I'm not in the locker room anymore. So I want to see at least five of
1: them yeah. over the next like month. So the three man lift. That's that was amazing. it. That was amazing. That was that was pretty nuts
0: that's really cool and uh, so yeah we're you know um, amazing amazing thank you so much for coming thank you. Uh, we got two more things before we wrap up Is uh, so habits of a champion um, world series champion performance coach um, where can people find us
1: so the book habits of a champion is on Amazon it's also on my website danacavalier.com awesome yeah
0: and uh, you want to spell that d-a-n-a
1: c-a-v-a-l-e-a awesome cavalier yeah
0: <laughs> um but yeah no i really appreciate it. it's a phenomenal book and just you know everything you went over dana is is right on point that's so apply applicable to everything in society uh, and what people need and people don't want information in today's world they just want truth
1: that's it you know that's all that we have right yeah so no, i appreciate it yeah. so
0: i got one more question and i, I always end my podcast with this right I don't okay think you, do you know the
1: question i don't know it
0: good all right so here's the question that we always end ready if you had a billboard for the whole world to see what would your one message
1: be to the world well i sign this in every one of my books and it says chase greatness why well because i think a lot of people don't realize that there's greatness within them and i always say that that in life there's a champion within each of us and it's our job to bring that champion to life So we got to do that by trying to chase our own greatness and chase greatness that we see for ourselves. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you, audience. Thank you for tuning in to 7 Rock Life Podcasts and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.